0: So this morning, I'm going to continue with the mind games, but underneath the mind games, we're going to have a subtext on it called the battle in the mind. Mm -hmm. The battle we face as believers, all these battles takes place in the mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to start with asking some couple of questions. Have you ever been in a relationship that you know that the relationship is no good? The there's nothing good that can come out of Subbibo. There's nothing good that can come out of that relationship. But you went ahead to go into that relationship anyway. Have you ever been involved like that? Let me put it another way. Maybe some people have never been in relationships like that. Let me put another way. Have you ever been, have you ever thought of doing something and you know very well that that thing you want to do? You are going to regret it later. That at the end of the day, you will regret having done what you wanted to do. You knew that there's consequence about it, but you went ahead to do it anyway. Anybody ever done that? Maybe nobody else. I have. If I'm the only sinner in this house, that's good. Then God will have mercy on me only. So I can take all the mercy this morning. Let me put it another way. Have you ever been into an establishment, into a place, where you knew very well that everything that was going on in that place goes contrary to your morals, to whatever your mother, your father, or your pastor has ever taught you in life? You knew that what was going on there is against your morals, but you went there anyway. I have. Maybe none of you have. That makes only me. Thank you. (laughs) Have you ever wondered why do we do the wrong things knowing fully well that it is wrong? Why is it that when we are given the choice to choose between the good things and the bad things, we gravitate towards the bad things? Have we wondered why do we do that? I was looking at that in the scriptures last night and I discovered that, which I've read before, that Paul was so conflicted in his life despite the fact that he was preaching the gospel of Christ. But he was so conflicted in, in, in Romans 7 that he began to say, Who can save me? Who can save me? When I meant to do good, evil is there present. The evil that was present there was not present in in, in his legs or in his arms. It was present in his mind. We're going to take a subtext this morning in Romans 1. I mean Romans 12. The last time I think Pastor did use that passage where we all know this passage where it says, I beseech you, therefore brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And the verse 2 said, Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. But how do we do that? We have read the scripture hundreds of times. Why do we keep doing the same thing all over again? How do we get our minds renewed with the battle that is constantly going on in our mind? How do we come out victorious? How can we find ourselves in a situation when the evil is present, yet we choose and remain to do the right thing? I know many of you may not struggle. I also do struggle with so many things. But at the end of the day, I asked, how can I avoid struggling for those things? How can I avoid the battle that goes on in my mind between doing the right thing for myself and my family and Christ and doing the wrong thing to satisfy myself? How? And I discovered that whether you're a preacher, whether you're a prophet, bishop, whatever title you give yourselves. The battle is constantly raging inside. You might dress up looking good, but on the inside, there's a battle of two nations going on 24-7. That I'm standing here preaching doesn't mean that some of the things that people in the world desire to have, that I do not have that desire to have it. I do desire to have it, even more than they do. But how can I find myself conformed by the renewing of my mind? How can I do it? And in my prayer, I continue to seek, Lord. I will tell you one prayer I have prayed some time ago that you might think was very stupid. But I battled so much to the point that I said, God, could you just take away my memory of every battle in this world so I don't remember them? So they do not occur in my mind But I discovered that it's not the way God works. So while I was praying, trying to find out how can this be made simple, then I went back to look in the literal writings that people have written and then bring a spiritual context into it. I found a man that died in 1939. Many of you know that and I will be surprised how an African young man that can never get to the age of the germs how he got to know this. (laughs) I came, I went and I found that which was written by Sigmund Freud. I know that many of you know him. Sigmund Freud, we all know, was an Austrian um, psychologist, the father of the psychoanalytical theory of human behavior. That's a big word for me, okay? (laughs) That's who he was. And he divided the human mind into three. The first one he called the Eid, which is the internal drive, the id. Do we have? Yes. If you look at the chart that we have over here, he divided the human mind into three equal parts. The first one he called at the bottom the id, which is the internal drive. We all have the internal drive equally. A baby that is born today, when babies cry, babies cry for multiple reasons. Maybe they are hungry or they are wet or they are cold or they are sick. But when the baby is crying, the baby wanted internal drive or desire to be satisfied irrespective of how the mother feels. The Eid is that which is internal in all of us. The desire to have the good things of life. The desire to eat. The desire to have money. The desire to get everything. It's all present in every person. It is the desire that nobody teaches you. It is born in you. Nobody teaches a newborn baby to cry because the baby is hungry. Nobody teaches the baby to cry. The baby cries because the baby is hungry. When the baby is wet, the baby begins to cry. The mother had never taught the baby, when you're wet, cry. (laughs) Uh (laughs) When you're sick, cry. Nobody ever teaches that. Therefore, that internal drive that is in all of us to do those things that satisfies us, If you want to do something that makes you happy, nobody teaches you to do something that makes you happy. Nobody teaches you to acquire things that you believe you need or you want for your own life. That which me, I, and myself is what is embedded in the E, the internal desire or the internal drive. And then he went further to say, there's another aspect of life in the mind, which is called the ego. Many of you know that the ego is the aspect of life, according to his classification, that brings the things that the internal desire or the internal drive desires, the ego brings it to come to pass. The physical manifestations. When the internal drive says, I want to have this thing. The ego is that which makes it possible for that desire in the inside to come to pass. But then we know there's another aspect because I'm going to do a little bit on Sigmund Freud and go back into the scriptures. He, there's another aspect he called the super ego. I know many of you here watch cartoons, Tom and Jerry, where you see them running up and down with two angels on, on their shoulders. And you see, I think it's the Tom that always wants to whack Jerry. And when he wants to whack him, the angel here said, go ahead and walk him. Then the one on the right side said, no, 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 no. You bring it into the spiritual realm, it looks like the ego and the superego. The super ego is that which brings you to balance and always keep you from the ego manifesting that which is desired in the internal drive. Bringing it back to the scriptures in the book of Matthew chapter 4 in verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, that then Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards hungry. And then the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be turned to bread. And I'll tell you the importance and the significance of this place in relation to what we're looking at, Sigmund Freud. The first thing I want you to understand here is this. The Bible says that he fasted 40 days and 40 nights and there arose in him an internal desire to eat. He became hungry. And the internal desire that is in every person was aroused in him because he now wanted to satisfy himself because he was hungry. Mm-hmm. Now what does the devil do? You and I do the wrong things because the devil comes plays in our mind and goes to our evil. Mm-hmm. And he says if you are the pastor of this church, if you really are the pastor of this church, do X Y Z. And you want to prove that you're the pastor of the church. You want to prove that you are in charge. He goes to your son. And says Justin. If you really. Pastor Gwen's son. If you really believe you're her son. You need to do X, Y, Z. And then Justin in order to prove the fact that he is Pastor Gwen's son. Without saying it, when you put both of them here. Even if you only walk backwards. You will identify that he looks like the mother they walk the same way they look the same way they sing the same way she is an image of her mother as Christ is the image of the father as we are image of Christ he comes and pokes on your ego and says if you are many times that we have gone into a fight many times that we have wanted to do things is because our ego is what was bruised because of that we want to prove to satisfy the internal drive he said if you are the son of god i ask you this moment to command the stone so it will become bread let your ego move in order to satisfy your internal drive and then jesus decided to take a clue and the strength from the super ego and said to him it is written man shall not live by bread alone let's bring it back here and see what happens by the time we desire in this second page now you're looking at to see the superego is reduced and the ego when you see a christian you call yourself a believer i call myself a believer in christ and when the internal desire begins to show up and we are always hungry to fulfill it through our ego You see, an egocentric person is all about himself to satisfy the inward desire. It begins to increase. The ego begins to increase. We come to church every day. The word of God is supposed to do the opposite in the life of a Christian. But when it's not doing that word, because there are three basic principles that you must put in place if you want to attain the renewal of your mind. Number one, You must be ready for the renewal. Renewal of mind will never take place in my life nor in your life until you are willing and ready for your mind to be renewed. Number two, you must be ready to embrace the renewal because the renewal of your mind will never come the way you want it to come. It will come with the truth that hurts. It will come with the truth that may not have been spoken in a very palatable or in a very romantic way. Or in a very cosmetized form the truth might come raw the truth might come forceful the truth might come in such a way that your ego will be bruised and because you want to satisfy the ego you reject the truth and your ego continues to increase and the battle continues to increase in your mind yet we come to church day in day out but we never have the transformation that God desires in our life because our ego continue to increase how can Horace Sinclair do this to me after all i have done for him what is increasing in my life is the ego because that's where the enemy always uses to achieve his aim in our lives in our minds somebody bruise your ego somebody cuts you off the internal desire in you is to show nine fingers or twelve fingers and then the next thing the ego says, you do it. And you know sometimes you feel so good after you've tossed somebody out. After you've let it out. After you have done all these things out. Then you feel good. Because the internal desire has been satisfied. And you cannot grow as a Christian when your ego continues to increase. All it does is to increase the battle in your mind. Because that's the sitting place of the devil. He came to Jesus Christ and said to him Listen, I know you have An internal drive and desire I know you're hungry I know you want to satisfy yourself If you see an egotistical Person, it's about me Myself and I He don't care what happens To any other person An egotistical person wants to make money He is ready to sell dope He don't care who dies That's why he makes money He's ready to sell guns or whatever. He don't care who dies as far as he does what makes money to satisfy his internal desire. We as Christians, we find ourselves in a relationship that we know is no good. It has nothing. At the end of the day, nothing is going to come out of it. But we keep on pressing into that relationship. When people say, why are you still with him? He said, "I just being jealous. Jealous of what? Trash? You know the relationship is no good. You know where it's leading you to. You know how you've been abused, defied, polluted. You know everything that has been going on in your life. And you know where it's going to end up. And folks are trying to serve you. But that which is inside you. And that the way the person makes you feel sometimes. We don't get addicted to drugs because we like drugs. But because we like the way it makes us feel. It is the feeling that we get out of the drugs that make us get addicted to the drugs. And those who are mar- those marketing people have discovered that the best way to market any product, even to the youth or the kids, is to appeal to their ego. When they appeal to their ego, the battle begins to range in their mind. This child comes. I want iPhone 29. I want Uphone 60. I want this. I want that because other people have the same thing I want to have it it don't matter how the father or mother gets it because psychologically they have come to understand that following the devil's principle of that everyone knows the desire we have he goes to the desire and then ignites your ego the ego moves around to get it have you seen a man who has been torn down by a woman He spends money, everything that he can have in this world. All he wants is to prove his point that no woman ever rejects me. At the end of the day, he's ready to move on. He just wants to have her and then he goes. And then the woman turns around. But he said he loved me. He bought me a car. He did this, he did that. It was because the immense ego was bruised. And he wanted to prove that his ego cannot be bruised. He needed to satisfy the inward drive that is in him. He pursued it with his ego and he's ready to do anything to satisfy. As Christians, let's see the next one. If you look at in this, you notice that the Bible says that as we receive the word of God, we are supposed to do what? Grow. Paul said to them, you were supposed to be teachers of the gospel. How come you are being taught you still want to drink milk? You're supposed to have grown. You're supposed to have moved from one level to the other because God gives us grace upon grace. We are supposed to have moved on. Our ego is supposed to have been reduced when you become a Christian. As we study the word of God and we are ready for the word of God. We are ready to embrace the truth. And number three, we are ready to implement it. As you begin to implement the truth of the word of God that comes... Your superego continues to increase. Which means you are creating room for the operation of God in your life. Reducing the power of the flesh. But it is hard for us all. We want to achieve the utmost in our lives. Irrespective of how it is achieved. I was looking in the scriptures to make sure that Jesus himself had the same internal drive. And here you saw it that in Matthew 4 that he was also hungry do we think that when Jesus was being crucified and when being cursed are people were cursing him out do you think he didn't want to say my father just let the angels come down and he held himself because he continued to feed the super ego in order that the ego will come to a state of no power he was able to say that the son of this world comes the son of perdition he comes he said but he has nothing in me because he didn't find anything in him as we feed the super ego as we feed spiritually we are expected to grow spiritually and as we grow spiritually the power of the spirit continue to subject the power of the flesh down but the result has been the case in our lives because we are not ready to be renewed we are not ready to be transformed and we are not willing to embrace it nor implement it. The implementation of the truth of the spiritual world in our life may make you very obscure. People may not recognize that you are in the church but you are still doing what God wants you to do. That position you are looking for many times we want position rather than responsibilities. We believe that when we attain the position then we take the responsibilities. But God is the God who knows that if you prove yourself good in one, then he adds another one. And then he came to the point in the life of Paul, and even in Christ, in the same Matthew 4. Let's see one more thing. Let's see the last chart. Look at this chart. When we grow and we become mature Christians, when we mature in Christ, this is how our minds supposed to operate. The, the internal drive remains the same. It never reduces. The desire to do things will remain there. But how you achieve those things and which one you select between good and bad. The scripture said we should be able to decipher good and evil. When it comes to the point the superego is supposed to increase and reduce tremendously the ego. The ego will always be there. But the portion that you give it in your mind will determine how much the enemy will manipulate you. Many times I have said in the past, the devil made me do it. I realized that the devil has no power to make me do anything. The devil has no power to make you do anything. Before your legs can get to that place, your mind will get there first. Your mind will travel to that point before your feet will go over to that place. So looking carefully, you see that as we feed the superego of our life, as we allow the word of God to begin to take root in our lives and grow, our life is supposed to be transformed. Transformation is a process, but it will not be a static process. It must be a continuum. It must be going up, attending from grace to grace every day. Do you think that when Stephen was being stoned to death, he could not have called God to destroy those people? He could have. And finally, let me show you in the scriptures, when men of God, when Christians that we are, we, God, will still listen to our words. God will still listen to us preach. God will still hear our prayers. But when a Christian or a believer or a man of God acts, out of ego. is very dangerous. We all know what happened to Elisha. Elisha was coming and little kids were mocking him and taunting him. Calling him a bald-headed man. What did he do? It affected his ego. Immediately he said, If I be a man of God, let what happen? Let bear come out and consume them. And all the kids were devoured by the bear. Because they taunted him. But imagine the taunt that was taunted to Jesus. Compare it with the one with Elisha. Which was greater? That of Christ or that of Elisha? They called him a boar headed man. He was boar headed That's true. <laughs> but he took offense. He took offense. And we realize that all the men of God who walked in the old, walking on the power of the word of God, because their ego was bruised. Most times you hear Elisha say. If I be the man of God. If I be the man of God. But it was no question. That he was a man of God. If I be. Because it was his own ego. That was being challenged. And he called on God. And God still honored his word. Because he was an anointed man of God.